On today's The Wine Club, episode five, we talk to fellow British skateboard media mogul and guru, Brett Dye of The Skateboarding Show. The conversation is up close and personal and talks about skateboarding media, what happened to the beautiful skateboarding, the Olympics, and more. Enjoy. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yes, yeah. sir. Hello. Welcome to The Wine Club, episode five, and today, we have the skateboarding shows. Brett Dye. Right. <laughs> how are you, Brett? Good. How are you, Rob? I'm I'm really good. I mate. understand. I'm, I understand. I'm speaking to you in Mexico. You are speaking to me in Mexico. Yes. We're going full meta because I'm recording this as well to go out on my thing. Uh, it's late at night and I haven't even finished my dinner. I've not signed any NDAs, so this is going to get released. As and when, mate. We're going to race each other to who can get it out. Well, I've got my laptop here ready. No, I'm joking. I ain't got shit. <laughs> uh, straight away, mate, this is going to be a perfect question for you. If I go into a supermarket and I'm looking down the wine aisle, what, how would you describe you as a wine bottle? I wouldn't be there. I'm clean and sober. You'd be in the, the alcohol-free section then. So, what, so would you be like a, sh- a schlur? What, what kind of schlur would you be? Oh, yeah. I tell you, I'm that old. I would be what's called Aqua Libra. Not as old as Sean Goff. No one's that old. Before there was Schlur, there was something called Aqua Libra, which if you had, like, aspirational parents in the, in the 80s, that's what they had. That's what they brought to drink, to allow you a drink while they were getting smashed on wine. <laughs> Is this what you were brought up on? A little bit. I was really lucky. It was a mixture of that and, like, Black Sabbath and Thin Lizzy. So I was really lucky. Nice. And yeah. so do you not do you not drink then? No. You and Eddie Belvedere are the same. And I've just bought myself a bottle of tequila. But I've, I'm saying to myself and my girlfriend, it's my last bottle of tequila. And then I'm only drinking at social occasions. Straight away, who are you? I'm, I'm nobody. I'm straight up nobody. I have no right to be on this. Uh, I have no right to share a platform with Jordan Thackeray on uh, spitting sawdust on a Wednesday night. I have no right to have Mark Churchill's telephone number in my phone. I have no right to be calling Dan Catchy and interviewing him. I'm some self-righteous, cantankerous old man who thinks that just because I've been doing skateboarding a long time that I think I'm allowed an opinion on it and that I think that people are going to listen to it and that they're gonna give a shit. And unfortunately the last 12 years have proven to me that they don't, and nobody does. Well, um, I've been, I've been on your YouTube, I've been on your YouTube channel, and people are definitely listening to it and listening in and subscribing. So what is your YouTube channel, Brett Dye? I am a skateboarder. I'm incredibly neurotic. I've always wanted to be identified as a skateboarder. I want to be validated as a skateboarder. I pay good money for a counselor to help me deconstruct this stuff and so when i was presented um in 2011 maybe even before that because i'd been already i was living in stroud in 2010 and a friend of mine i was a late adopter to like facebook so i started getting on facebook and then like seeing all this stuff that my friends were doing and i had this one friend that i'd known for years and she was doing a radio show on something called stroud fm which was this community radio show a community radio station so um I went there and I kind of got involved because I'm quite extrovert. Uh, and the, the very first thing I did, after doing some basic training with them, the very first thing I did was a um, like a live two-hour drive time show. I happened to be there one Friday and the drive time person hadn't turned up. 
and I was like, oh, I can do this. It's no problem. I've done the training course that you provide. Um, yeah, fine. So all of a sudden, at five o'clock, mics went up, and like, what was this? 2010. So 31 year old Brett just bam straight on it. Forward to sort of February 2011, and somehow, and I, and I have to be honest with this, I can't remember whether it was me or someone else, or somehow the idea got muted about what about what about a radio show about skateboarding. And I was like, well, you know, skateboarding is a really visual thing. And then I thought about it, probably in a shower, knowing me, because I always have my best thinking in the shower. <laughs> I don't know why. I could, like, interview people in that, couldn't I? So um, I was really lucky that I uh, I, I went to the, 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 the remit of the community radio station was supposed to be talk-based programs. So when I went to um, some of the people there, they were like, yeah, brilliant, get started, just go and do it, just do it. I didn't, I didn't even realise how lucky I was at the time. I got a seven o'clock slot after the drive time on a Wednesday and all of a sudden some of my dreams of being involved in the skateboarding world in some other way than just being a punter all of a sudden started to come true before I knew it I was sat outside a cafe in Spitterfields in London talking with Tony Alva and interviewing him like checking the equipment three million times like it's definitely recording right it's definitely recording right okay is it is it definitely yeah the lights definitely it's not it's not blinking it's not me but okay it's definitely okay and just like going oh my god i'm sat next to tony alva having casual chats with him one time i ended up having one time i've ended up having dinner with the flip team when they came over in 2011 for a demo i'm trying to interview jeremy fox after the demo at, at the xc he's like just come for dinner with us it'll be easier like what sorry and then I'm sat next to Lance Mountain talking about how good the chicken korma is. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my God, you're joking. <laughs> and just, like, this is why I said that thing at the beginning, because my, my skateboarding level does not equate to me doing those things. Like, that's not that's not what I should be doing. That's not where I'm at. Because uh, Stroud FM was, like I say, it was community-based. So it was all voluntary-based. There was no money. I paid for everything I did. I paid for every trip I went on, everywhere I went. I was I was stupid because I didn't start a YouTube channel. I didn't. I, I barely started any social media. I think I did some Instagram. Maybe I really regret that. I should have got over myself because I was like, I'm doing audio, man. I'm not doing. Everyone else is doing video. Like I'm doing audio. Did you start off on SoundCloud? Was it SoundCloud? Yes, I used to put it up. Yes. And, and and then almost almost three years to the day, I turned up. And I knew we were having some issues with Stratofm, and, and I turned up, and um, they said. Um, they said, we're in a bit of trouble. And I was like, okay, so so what's the deal? And they're like, it, it, it's terminal. And I was like, well, what's life expectancy then? And they were like, we're switching it off tonight at 12 o'clock. And this was on a Wednesday. So my show was one of the was one of the sort of last shows that went out live. No way. And I, like, I found that out and I suddenly just had to like, I spent loads of time sitting there and I've been really lucky that I'd gathered loads of eye dents um like i had loads of this is big time pro skateboarder and you're listening to the skateboarding show on stroud fm back then the sidewalk forum was a big a big thing and i sort of gone on that and sort of like you know just sort of presented myself and said this is who i am this is what i'm doing and a few people were like oh yeah cool thank you how was that and this one guy that, that, that it was cool but this one guy this one guy said i'll make you some idents i was like all right and thought nothing of it and like about a week later i went to my email and he was like here you go i've got i've made you these turns out he worked for the bbc and he was working on on doctor who wow and that's why if you if you've ever listened to any of my stuff i've got some ones where it goes um you're listening to the skateboarding show you dance breeds and it's like it's he's he's like that's the actual special effects we use for the daleks i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> like, i was like 
Wow. Yeah. Did Cheers. You, nice one. Thank do you. you. Not, do you not have to sign a D NDA with him for that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. When did you start skateboarding, Brett? When and where were you when you started skateboarding? Oh, wow. This was amazing. This was like total role reversal. It's amazing. I was born in 79. I was born in a place called Crawley, uh, not too far from Gatwick Airport. And we lived in a place called Horsham, where Lucy Adams is from. Shout out, Lucy. I miss Lucy, though, because um, we moved out of there, we, my family, in uh, 1990. So there's two distinct things that happened. Uh, one, I think I was about eight or nine. So we would have been talking 87, 88. And a bigger boy rolled down the street on a skateboard. Like, and he was doing what I now know to be like little tollies. He was like little, like bouncing off the cracks of the curb and like just super cool and just super relaxed. And he was just like using it to get around. And he looked, I mean, to me, he looked like he was pretty good. I don't know whether he was or wasn't. I don't know. You know what I mean? And so, and I was like, that's cool. What is that? What is that? And there's a couple of other things that happened like that with me. I remember watching a film called Crossroads about a blues guitarist called Robert Johnson, where there's a really famous scene at the end with a guitarist called Steve Vine. When it cut heads. Okay. I remember, I remember watching that going, that, that. Can I learn to do that, please? But um, it definitely happened when I watched this. And the skateboarding one happened first. The skateboarding one happened first. I just saw this kid roll down the street. I was like, uh, I, I say kid. I was like eight. He was probably only about 17. But to me, he was like a fully grown adult on a skateboard. It was amazing. So, I, like, so my first exposure wasn't kids. It was like, to me, a fully grown adult on a skateboard. I was like, fat. I want to do that. Uh, and what I also did, very, I, slightly ironically, the site where they've just built a concrete park in Horsham, where there's a little bit of a thing about it, because it looks it looks quite tidy, tidy. I'm really looking forward to going and having a strap around there with like Jack Walbridge and a few other people. And hopefully Lucy. Lucy, come on, let's go skate. That's part of the park they had there. And uh, I went to like a secondhand sale to do with the nursery school that I used to go to right near there. But I asked my parents and then they were pretty cool. And it was secondhand. So I don't know, it was like 20p or something in the 80s, which fed you for a week. Anyway, with a secondhand book called Skateboard Action. Now, I'm really lucky that I've managed to get hold of another copy of that since since then. And and flicking through it, I'm like, I'm like flicking through it going, oh my God. So it's the first thing on the first page is written by Tim Layton Boyce. I'm like, what? The very first bit of like skateboard media I ever saw it was like a book thing, you know. It was like it wasn't it wasn't a magazine. It was like a book, and it had like the ten rules, the ten golden rules of skateboarding. And one of them, and even though I was like eight or nine, one of them was skateboarding is not something you do on the weekends. Skateboarding is a lifestyle. <laughs> and even right, honestly, it says it. It says it in, in like black and white. Skateboarding is a lifestyle. I'm like eight or nine, going, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. At where, where, how, when get me what what do i have to do and again i'm really lucky you know i flipped through that book and it's full of like it's, it's sean and and sue's got a photo in it and these are people that like i now know sean uh, i've interviewed sue sean yeah, yeah, sue Hazel. yeah like like i have to mention surnames come on yeah, <laughs> no, yeah sean goff sean goff and sue hazel yeah yeah and then we we moved to cheltenham and and i'd been doing some mucking around on our skateboard like out the back of my house this was the 80s no internet and no and, and I didn't know any other people who did skateboarding properly. And when we moved to Cheltenham, uh, we moved to a little place called Bishop's Cleave just outside of Cheltenham. And there was a couple of older boys in my school that did skateboarding. So the summer in between first year and second year, or year seven and year eight, as it's called now, I, I sort of really got more involved in it. 
and got to know these older boys. One time they sat me down and put on Propaganda by Proud Router. Okay. And it just blew my mind. I was just like, I thought you just sort of rode around in it and that. And there's like Frankie Hill, like chucking himself down massive, like grass gaps at the end. People doing one wheeled nose wheelies and stuff. And I'm like, what the what are you joking about like i thought the bigger older boy in my village was like god and then one day the bigger older boy from Cheltenham turned up and without blowing too much smoke up his ass that was stevie stevie thompson ah <laughs> oh, no way i was gonna say who who did you who did you grow up looking up to when you were skateboarding no, totally and utterly idolizing what you're on about like i'm totally and utterly what i did shout outs to stevie thompson absolute hero and still skating still skating amazing yeah i was i was without a doubt that annoying little grom i was like a little well-spoken middle-class kid trying to get down with the rough kids doing skateboarding so stevie thompson and, was older than you then yeah 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 stevie's like three or four years older i'm only i'm only i'm just about to turn 44 Okay. I'm only young, and I don't know whether you know. And and I'm 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 shit at skateboarding. I have so much self doubt, and I'm massively neurotic. So I never got. I was never one of those who would just chuck myself at shit. And I always was trying to do whatever it was to make the bigger, older boys like me, because that's all I wanted was their validation, was their was their acceptance. But it got really interesting because I soon saw like the hierarchy as well. So the kids in my village, the the one older boy in my village. I still had a lot of time and respect for. Uh, and then and then there was like Stevie. And then if we were really lucky, when we were skating a midi ramp, we had a midi ramp in Cheltenham about six foot high. And I loved to, so, okay, so there's two stories I want to tell you. But if we were really lucky, every now and then, a little Metro GTI would turn up and we'd all go, yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> out of it, again, if we were really lucky, would step Joe Habgood, Justin Sydenham and Danny Wainwright. Ah, no way. Right? So just, I mean, you know, like, if you want to know who my bigger, older, bigger boys were, them three. They travelled over. So, so whereabouts were you at this point, sorry? I was in Cheltenham. They travelled over from Bristol. Nah, no, I was just going to say, despite every interview you ever hear with them, right, they're not from Bristol. They're from Stroud. Ah. So sorry, sorry, Abgood, Sid and Wainwright for, like, bursting the bubble of the last, like, 30 years of media you've ever done they skate in bristol so much and then they and they all moved to bristol eventually just briefly another just to give you a little bit of history and a story that i love telling that was sort of early mid 90s and then ever so slightly later 90s just before the tony hawk games came in and made everything amazing and shit at the same time we had this lad in in Chatham called max who moved away he moved to this far away land and he kept coming back with these stories of this guy that was like really really amazing and the tricks that he was just, he was like, you know, this is like 96, 95, 96. Oh, I saw this guy do a switch frontside flip down a set of stairs the other day. And we're like, dude, that's like American pro level. Like, what are you talking about? Like, ain't no one around here doing switch frontside flips down step. What are you talking about, dude? So eventually we're like, right, we got to go. We got to go check this out because like. I don't know what he's talking about here. And so we all we all go off to this town and we get there and we, and we find this kid and we find out that our man Max is lying because this kid's even better than what he's talking about. He's even better, right? And the town was Worcester and the youngster was Vaughan Baker. No way. Now, Vaughan and I are the same age. So we, we would sometimes hang out, right? I'd go and stay at his and he'd come and stay at mine. And, yeah, it's cool. Around what time in this skate history did you think, 
you're going to start stepping in, dipping your toes into skate media. Only that time that I told you, like, only, ah, like okay. much, much, only as soon as, you know, like at 31. But I'd done some other stuff. So 10 years previous to that, I'm about to say either the most arrogant thing you've ever heard or the most accurate thing you've ever heard. I have, over the course of time, been involved in some things that are like way ahead of their time. And it's taken years to suddenly go, oh, hang on, I was this thing that's like big and trendy right now, I was doing that fucking years ago, mate. What are you on about? Either through happy happenstance or visionary, whatever you want to say. About 2001, I started a company where I was going into school and doing after-school skateboarding clubs, providing skateboarding sessions for schools and councils and a little bit of like consultancy to councils at just that time when skateboarding still sort of had a rebellious streak and and weirdly my rebellious streak was to say let's actually try and make it acceptable let's actually try and help teachers and councils understand that yeah you should be spunking 200 grand on a half decent skate park don't keep fobbing us off with this metal shit let's let's build something decent and you can help beginners to learn skateboarding that's all you can do anyone who like tries to give it some unless you're sam back it sam can help skateboard gb and i believe in him uh, and there's other skateboard teachers who i believe in and there's other ones that i see now nah, you're just trying to make some money because for me teaching skateboarding is about getting somewhere is getting somebody to the point where you go right you can control that thing now off you go go and join the session go and find out what you want to do with it go and learn what tricks you want to learn and off you go when I was I was teaching in Rush for 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 most of the time that that was open, there was at least a, a couple of times, if not more, that I took some dads to one side and said that you know I've I've got nothing more to give your son here. He, he's done. Like you want to spend your money, spend it taking him to sessions so he can go and learn from other people and not learn what to do, but observe so that he can start finding his own style and his own way of doing stuff. You know, and, and some of the girls, actually, there's even a set of parents, I think, uh, you know, she's good. She's fine. You don't need to spend any more money coming here to me. I think there's a balance to be had there. Anyway, so, you know, 20, what we now, 2023, 22 years ago, I was promoting the idea that you can guide beginners. Yeah. You can help beginners. You can help change the perception of skateboarding. And now everybody wants to be a fucking skateboard coach. And it's just like... Yeah, been there, well, done that. Yeah. It's funny you should mention about the fact that you started off audio only because a lot of people, myself included, have now gone towards doing podcasts and longer format media. Just saying. <laughs> 2011, I'm pretty certain I was the only person in the world doing a radio show all about skateboarding. Not featuring some little bits of skateboarding, the whole fucking thing. The first thing you heard on my show, I think a couple of months into it, was my wonderful, wonderful at the time stepdaughter going, This is Stroud FM, and you're listening to the skateboarding show. And that was it. That was then the next hour was just me bleating on about skateboarding and, uh, and the interviews that I'd cut up and put in. I remember one of your first interviews that I listened to was with, uh, I think, with Sam Beckett and Sam Bosworth at NAS Festival. And I remember right. thinking, I remember thinking, this guy is doing interviews with no video on on a like audio device, I was like, this is like insane. But actually, now you've said it, we've come full circle. And why I've started wanting to do it with my last year in YouTube and doing media is I'm getting sick to death of short form 
short content where you don't have three seconds to concentrate on. And actually, people don't necessarily just want short form, I think they want longer form too. What's happening for me right now, and I can bleat on about history all you like, and I'll answer any questions you've got if we haven't finished with the before section. I'm almost sort of going full circle and going, I've been I've been playing sort of Mr. Nice Guy for the last 12 years and being all like, oh, let's ask some questions and let's, let's do some long form content. And there's got to be somebody out there who wants to listen to some, who wants to really listen to what somebody has to say and really is interested in it. And and I still I think that still exists, and there's a potential that it's growing, and there's a potential that you and I can take over the podcast media scene in the UK. But there's also there's a massive part of me now that's just going fuck this. Actually, like I- I'm just going to start recording and saying whatever I want. The very latest thing, and I've I literally I think maybe today or yesterday I recorded uh, definitely last night I recorded something and I put it out straight away, even though it doesn't sit in the queue of things that I've got coming up. Uh, and I'll make, you know, I'll make a public announcement now on skateboarding that like the skateboarding show is now becoming adult skateboarding. Like I'm only interested in an adult audience. And by adult, I think what I mean is also not necessarily just the age, but how long you've been skateboarding. Like if you're just coming to skateboarding, you may not find my content that good. You're like, I don't, I don't care what, what bushings this guy's got in his truck. So I don't care what he was doing in fucking 88 or like no you don't because you're like 15 whereas if you're like super neurotic and if you're trying to balance fucking a full-time job and skateboarding and you're trying to figure out what the fuck am i even doing with my life then there's a very strong possibility you might be able to relate to my content because i'm a fucking 43 nearly 44 year old trying to still do skateboarding when i'm shit at it and i wasn't even ever sponsored or pro or anything and people are going who even is this fucking dickhead why are we even listening to him? But I think that's the beauty of so, skateboarding. That's what I've always loved about it, is it's just a passion for skateboarding. Seeing people from all levels, even at like Concrete Chaos, you know, you've got flipping Stevie dropping in, doing like stuff that could probably still be in the pro division. And it's like the, the level between like the masters now is huge, but everyone's just enjoying it. It's a good session. If you like to do competitions, even if you're just dropping in, but you want to drop in in front of a crowd and get that adrenaline. Have when, you got questions like written down in that? Yeah, Fucking I, I've got them, I've gotten them yeah. written down, and as we talk, I, I like make notes of what the next question I want to do is. Fuck me, uh, 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 you're mate, I've had a whole crit, a whole critorial with uh, my friend Trevor Johnson about uh, how to be more profesh. Mate, I sometimes know people's fucking names. Right, right go on. Right, let's go. Oh, don't worry. The last What's one the next did, question? Then? The last one I did with Michael Sturdy. I managed to spell his name Michael, but with two E's. So it was E-A-E. And I was just like, once I'd finished recording and looked back at it, I was like, ah. Oh. So my follow-up question was going to be, when when you were at uh, the, the, was it Stroud FM? Yeah. From Stroud FM uh, to kind of now, when, was it always the skateboarding show at Stroud FM? No, no. For a little while, we flirted with the idea of trying to do something like Rush Radio or something. I can't remember what we tried to call it. Rush opened on December 2013 and Stroud FM shut down in February or, or January sometime 2014. So there's only like two or three months between Rush opening and Stroud FM closing. And that was pertinent because I'd already started chat, chatting with the owner of Rush about, well, you know, I do some, I do this radio show. Maybe we could do something for the skate park and I could interview all the big time people that are going to come through. So for a little while there, I was I was sort of in conflict about what am I going to do then? Because I can't. And then that that answered itself by Stroud FM shutting down. Oh, Rush One Radio, we had to call it. That was it. 
or Rush One something, Rush One Media or Rush One Radio or something. And so for a few years there at NAS, I was interviewing the skateboarders, the BMXs and the rollerbladers. Ah, okay. I'm trying to provide material for all of it. But then, but then that became apparent that it wasn't, I don't think it was making as much money as the owner wanted it to straight away. So understandably, he was like, okay, well, you know, well, I think we're going to stop doing this. I was like, well, that's all right. And I'll just, I'll just reignite the skateboarding show. And I'll just, you know, I, I always owned, as far as I know, I always owned that. I, you know, I came up with it. Um, and so then, and then that's when I kind of got over myself and was like, oh, fuck it, I'm doing all of it. And I'll just, I'll, 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 maybe I'll video some of the interviews. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll, you know, I know how to get on SoundCloud and put it up on there. I know how to get on YouTube and do that. By that stage, you know, I had things that, you know, by sort of 2015, 16, I had like smartphones and, and I was aware that like I've got everything I need in my hand here, really. I, n- I never had like brand new latest smartphones, but I had enough that I had a camera on it and I could access YouTube. I think that's the amazing thing with interviewing Sturdy is he's literally, I didn't realise this, but he's literally done it all on his phone. And I think that that's an, an amazing part of it. Kind of knocks me back, but also makes me think, ah, yeah, because a lot of the stuff that you're putting out for content and stuff, it has to be good. And so it doesn't matter whether you're filming on your phone or whether you're doing it on the camera, as long as what you're doing is interesting and people want to see it. I watched Dogtown and Z-Boys with Stacey doing his director's commentary over the top of it once. And there's a bit when Sean Penn coughs. And and if you listen, they, they, they leave it in. And Stacey was like, I left it in because this is a documentary about skateboarding. Sometimes you fall off your skateboard and you can't edit that. You can't rewind it and you can't go back. Sometimes you fall off. You don't make every single trick. Sean Penn coughed. We left it in. He didn't make it. He didn't make the trick. We're leaving it in. And that and in that very moment, I sort of became enlightened. I was like, fuck. You're so right. That was that was years ago. That was absolutely years ago. And that's why I make a sort of biggish, a sort of half a joke and half deadly serious about, yeah, no, ed- no, fuck editing, man. We don't get a rewind button. We don't get a rewind button. So I'm not doing it in this either. If I interview you, what you say, in, unless you re- unless you come to me and go, oh, actually, I shouldn't have said that. That was like that's like a trade thing, or that's a secret thing that's not coming out. Okay, fair enough. I'll take that out, and that's fine. But like. Like me eating my fucking dinner. I'm eating my dinner. I'm eating my dinner. You know, like I've had things to do today. I'm running late. I didn't get to finish before you called. That's what it is. And then fitting into that, what you said, if the content's any good, which I'm sorry I've let you down with that as well, but if the content's any good, the production that, you know, like, is that really what's important? You know, like we live in this society where the presentation's really important. And then you realize there's no fucking content behind it. And I'm about the other way around, you know, like, like, again, like I listen to other podcasts and uh, whether I should say this or not, like, like I listen to I, I listen to Hawk versus Wolf. I just do. I say I've, I've got time for Tony Hawk. I've definitely got time for Jason Ellis. Like people can say what they like about him. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't give a fuck. They're both fucking warriors. That motherfucker broke his femur and was like trying to skate on it and wondering why it wasn't healing because it wasn't even connected up properly. And some of the best stuff on it is when they're just chatting like the most geeky fucking stuff about skateboarding where like like you have to know about it to even try and keep up with what they're talking about it's like yeah and and i'm in the car on my own pissing myself because i'm like yeah i can totally relate having to keep an eye on the pavement about little changes in pavement because it's like 
I don't want to roll my ankle walking on the pavement, dude. Like, but hey, what? They did a whole, like, they talked for like 10 minutes about that. I'm like, <laughs> who would he relate to that? What highlights have you had with doing the skateboarding show? What's been your most memorable, let's go top three memorable moments for doing the skateboarding show for now, what, 12 years? You must have got some stories with who you've met well, and possibly stuff you might have had to edit out. <laughs> Without without a doubt, one of the highlights is, like I say, you know, there was something wrong with my car. I had to borrow my dad's car. I think it was 2011 tour. So I would have been like 32. So I was really lucky that I was just like, can I borrow your car? And like, I'll be back. I'll either come and drop it off tomorrow morning or I'll be back. And I'm really lucky that my dad's always been really, my, both my parents who are still together, are really supportive of my skateboarding. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, take the car. Don't worry. Just Go and do whatever you need to do. I drive down to Hemel Hempstead with all my skateboarding stuff as well as all my media stuff. This is for the flip demo. Even just this bit of the story would have been enough. Like I go to the pool and there's Lance Mountain. This is in the XC. You know that like pool in the corner of the XC. And I'm like nodding hello to Lance Mountain and that. And just like, you know, like, oh no, no, after you. He's like, no, no, after you. And I'm like, I'm having a pool session with Lance Mountain. Yes. Like you just fucking just take me now. I'm fine. I'm done. I'm done. I'm fine. <laughs> You're good. Like, that would have been enough. You know what I mean? Like, that would have been enough. Like I say, I'm trying to interview Jeremy Fox as we're leaving. He's just, like, super casual. It's just like, just come for dinner with us, man. It'll be, it'll be like... Stevie came for dinner as well. So Stevie was there. Like, it was a smallish Indian in Hemel Hempstead, and we took the whole place over. So it was only us on one, one big table. And I swear to God that, like, they'd been skating all day. Like, Lance was pro, like, before I was born. <laughs> All evening, we're still only talking about skateboarding. All evening. Have you ever skated this park? Did you see that edit that came out the other day? Like, oh my god, yeah, I've been there, man. That was an amazing park. Like, wow, you are actual proper fucking legit stoked on this, aren't you? Like, this isn't, yeah. Like, Lance is the real deal. Do you know what I mean? It's not. A, it's not a job. Like, this is. This is it. And yeah, I'm sat there with like Penny and Runa and. What was it like meeting Penny? Penny's a legend. And I got and and I got entree because I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I I, I currently live in Stroud, where you know, like Danny and Habgood live. Yeah, 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 Danny, Joe, yeah, yeah, my friends, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like I got I got entree. I was in. I was fine. So like, I just name checked Habgood and Wainwright, and he's like, yeah, 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 come over here. It, so it's, so, like, it's so it's so funny you mentioned in Lance because and it's weird because actually I've got it just here. When I went out to um, America, I actually was given this board by Jeremy Fox, which was a, a sample board from Mexico, and I'm back in Mexico. I just remember Mike being at the table with Lance, um, having, we're having breakfast, and we were sat opposite Lance Armstrong, and Mike Day is sat next to me going, Rob. Lance Armstrong? Lance, sorry. <laughs> not Lance Armstrong. Mike Day does not like cycling. <laughs> What's Lance's surname? Mountain. Lance Mountain. Oh my God, how embarrassing. Lance Mountain was sat opposite me and Mike. And Mike, we're literally next to them. And Mike Day sat next to me looking at me. He's going, Rob, we're having breakfast with Lance Mountain. Can you, can you believe this? And he, kept, and he kept saying it. And I was like, I, I, he kept saying it to a point where I was like, Mike, I, I know, but he's right in front of us. And this is a bit embarrassing. But yeah, and we had the best time. We had spent a week, we hung out with Lance Armstrong. At, not Lance Armstrong, Lance Mountain. Just some cycling, it was great. I was about to tell you a story and then I suddenly realised you know the story. So after that trip that you went on with the amazing Mike Day, shout outs to Mike Day, a lot of love and time for that guy. 
big up yourself. I'm just getting bath and Mike's there and he's got this board. You know this story. You probably know what I'm about to say. I'm like, what's that board, man? He's like, oh, I was out there. I was out with, you know, with, with Jeremy. And he's and he said, oh, your board's rubbish, man. You need a new board. I was like, yeah, but I really like the shape. He's like, don't worry, then give it here. So, so Jeremy Boxer traced this board, slapped a Lance Mountain graphic on it. It's a one-off, one-of-a-kind. It's a one-off, one-of-a-kind skateboard. I'm like, what are you doing? You're riding it. He's like, yeah, yeah, of course I'm riding it. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, I, I was there when he reshaped it. And I just remember being like, this, this is skateboarding. Jeremy Fox, you know, is running the show and he's making with his hands handcrafting this board into a shape that Mike wanted. And I was just like, that the lengths that he's going to for that is insane. And another one is one I've already mentioned, but I'll give you the full story. I didn't know Powley at the time, but I managed to somehow blag. I think I just went down. I think I just went down to when um, the Vans uh, downtown showdown was in Spitfields. And I mentioned Powley because he was Vans TM at the time. The absolute legend that is Nick Powley. Like, again, big up that guy. And me and my then partner turned up and like we saw this massive queue of people that were queuing up to get a signature off tony alva and some other people from the van scene that were there so we're like right let's go and just look around this this downtown showdown business and see what it's all about and hopefully all the all the queues will die down and all this business so we went and walked around and sid has a stall and i saw sid and danny and said hi and had a quick chat we're like right let's go and see if we can find alva then because obviously by then i'd seen obviously i knew who tony alva seen Dogtown as e-boys and all that big ups the documentary definitely watch that and and we, we we couldn't see him anywhere i was like oh well you know it's okay like it's okay it's just you know it is what it is these things never happen for me <laughs> so we go for a little walk around and just outside the spitfields market so they had the downtown showdown stuff in the market and there's a van store on the corner so we walked to the van store and i sort of cheekily was like has anyone seen tony alva and they're like no no, no, we haven't seen him. And so we walk out of the van store, go to walk back to the market, and we're walking past this coffee shop. He's just fucking sat there on his own outside this coffee shop, like just drinking coffee. And I'm like, you're fucking joking. Well, I've got to, I've got to, I can't, you know, like if he tells me to fuck off, he tells me to fuck off. That's a story just in itself, so that's fine. So I sort of gingerly approach. I'm like, uh, you're, you're Tony, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. I'm like... I'm really sorry to disturb you. Like, my name's Brown. I blah, 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 blah. Do you mind if I interview you? He's like, yeah, sure. Sit down, Brett. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like nearly, <laughs> nearly like collapsed in the seat. <laughs> yeah, okay. And yeah. And then before I knew it, I had like 20 minutes of just, of Tony Alva's attention. Right, that's what I have. What I have is I know what Tony Alva was doing for 20 minutes of his life. He was talking to me, with me, you know? Like, I don't, I don't have a photo of it. This was kind of before it got really like selfie culture and all that sort of gear. I have got some photos with him later on because it suddenly clicked like later. All I had in my mind is I've got to make sure this fucking recording equipment is working. Like, you know, don't fuck this up. Don't be a dickhead. Don't fucking ruin it. Just take a breath and realize that you're talking to somebody that I believe to be one of the originators of this amazing culture that I that I love and that I think has given me a lot and that I think could give other people a lot. And here's the actual, like, he's one of the people who created it. It's so, yeah. so funny how similar our stories are with Tony Alva, except I didn't interview him. But I literally, about a month ago in Mexico, went to the House of Vans in Mexico, shout out to House of Vans in Mexico. And it was a Tony Alva film because there's now a film about him. And right. it got to the end and I was hanging out with Lemus, Jonathan Lemus, who's a Mexican skater. And we, we, we left House of Vans. 
and we were outside and I was like, I didn't get to see Tony Alva. Like, I, I can't believe I've missed this opportunity just to say like, hello, whatever. And, uh, and, and Lemus was just like, ah, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get him, I'll get him. Uh, I'll see where he is. And Lemus is on vans. So he asked like the trip, the manager where he was. And he's like, oh, he's still about. I couldn't believe it. Exactly the same as you. We just stood outside the house of vans, actually waiting for Lemus's friends to go have uh, dinner. And out he pops. He just w walked out of house of vans. Uh, obviously he was like heading off after the, the premiere of this film. The funny thing is I did exactly the opposite of you. I didn't get an interview, but I did get a, uh, a photo with him. Cause I was just like, this is a, this is the moment where I have to get a photo with him there's, there's been yeah. a couple of times in my life where i just i don't like the selfie let's get a photo of people generally i'm not a massive fan of it however just to remember like certain moments and the other one that's similar to what you were just saying is again a mike day story where we stood outside the sls back when it was sls before the olympics we stood outside we stood outside with jeremy fox and lance um, mountain and everyone's everyone's suddenly america culture is so different to british culture everyone's has Lance Armstrong gone? Lance, we dropped off Lance Armstrong, yeah. Arm, it was just Lance Armstrong. And everyone's queuing up to get autographs and photos with um, like the street guys. And then suddenly someone notices Lance uh, Armstrong, Lance Mountain. And they're like, hey Lance, can I get a photo with you? And he's like, yeah. And then suddenly there was a queue for photos with Lance M Mountain. And whilst this is happening, Mike Day turns to me and he's like, oh, Rob, here's my phone. And I was like, why, why are you giving me a phone, Mike? I, oh, I need to get a photo with Lance Mountain. I'm like, Mike, we're hanging. I didn't say it to him at the time, but I'm like, we're, we're literally just about to get in a car and leave with Lance Mountain. You don't need with to join. Him. We don't need to join this queue. We're part of it in a circle, Mike. It's fine. We're going back. It's all right. I was in tears. I was in... Mike Bay is the best. Oh, oh mate, I love that guy. And he got a photo. He got, he got a photo. He hands me the phone he gets a photo of lance right and you know how everyone's just like getting photos and then moving on to their lives mike gets a photo with him like, oh thanks so much lance and then he stood directly next to him for the next 20 minutes and i'm just like before we get in the car and i'm just like this is just the most hilarious moment of my life like mike day i love you to bit <laughs> what was your third story this is, this is really early on in the skateboarding show on Stradafam because I was also sometimes doing the drive time show as well and standing in for people in Stradafam. I'm a massive, massive Queen fan. It's a point where the, like, they're legendary in my head. The dude fucking made his own guitar and has played it all the way throughout his own his career. You know, some guitarists can't even get through a gig without wrecking a guitar and chucking the charred ends of it into the audience he made his own guitar in his late teens and is still playing it to this day like freddie is an absolute fucking legend who died from fucking indulgence like talk about rock and roll like he was just like fuck you all i'm gonna do what i like and then when i die from it i die from it and i get to die young and you don't get the embarrassment of me getting old and regurgitating a load of old crap that no one cares about Fuck you all, like absolute legend. I found out that Brian May was coming to Stroud to do a lecture about the Save the Badgerston. I was working, I finished work, I, I, I grabbed my recording equipment and I went to the like the town hall bit in Stroud where he was. I spoke to his um, CP guy, his close protection guy, and he was like, um, yeah, yeah, Mr. May's upstairs. And even at that point, I gave it the comedy line with Tony Alva about like, I, like, <laughs> But genuinely, 
I was so we stood outside for a bit because because the lecture had already started. So we waited until it finished. He said, "Right, come on up, and I'll see if Brian will give you an interview." Because I'd introduced myself as somebody from Stroud FM because I was there to interview him for Stroud FM for the drive time to talk about the Barrister stuff. So we go upstairs and the door opens and I I look up over the top of people and it's fucking Brian May in that room and that is the first time that very genuinely no no like comedy line my fucking knees went like i was like oh my god it's like that's actual brian may that's like the guy that stood on the stage at live aid and like like fucking killed it for 20 minutes that's the guy that's like played to lit like in i think in mexico they played to like 150,000 people in one go like whoa so the CP guy goes and talks to him. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give him an interview. So again, I know what Brian May did for 20 minutes of his life. He was stood talking to me and I've got it on tape. And, and then, so then, so, so that all finishes. We do, we do like the main, the normal bit. And then I'm like, what I really do is I, I, do, I, do, a, I, do, a, I do a show about skateboarding. And he's like, oh, I've got a story about skateboarding. I was like, come on, come on. He's like, go on then. So we fire up the recording stuff and he gives me this like, I mean, I'd never heard of it. His son had a board. He was like, that ah, can't be too hard. Jumped on, like whizzed out, broke his shoulder. Like I'd never heard that story. I'd, I've, I've read a Queen autobiography, never read anything in there about that. I'm like, have I just, have I just been like told a story about Brian May from Brian May to do with skateboarding? That's not really out in the public domain. What the fuck? And then I was like, would you mind giving me an item? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. So we go into this little, we go into the store, this stairwell. And I've still got it. And I still really say, yeah. And I swear to God, I've got, this is Brian May. And you're listening to the skateboarding show. And it, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> like, just like, you're fucking joking me. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was pretty, that was mind melting. Yeah. And then there's all the other things, which I'm sure you've, you've, well, I know, because I know, because you were there, there was like, you know, there's like meeting and interviewing Clay Craner, there's meeting and interviewing Sam Beckett, the welcome team at NAS that one year, like that was, they so were, good. they were funny, they were, they were amazing, meeting Hawk at NAS, meeting Kevin Stab, meeting Derek, like meeting Hawk was cool, but we were still in line talking to Derek, who's like Hawk's, like, second in command at the at the hawk foundation and uh, oh yeah like, that guy he's amazing got a lot of time for derek he's brilliant he's telling us all these amazing stories about Hawk. like like who doesn't give a fuck like like when uh crooked were doing his like guest board like they gave him the first one off the press and derek's like give it here <laughs> like because he knows that hawk would just be like oh yeah i'll just set it up and skate it like it'd be fine yeah and Derek's like, give it here. I'll put that in the pile, ready for Riley when the time's right. Thank you. Like, telling stories like that, we're like, yeah, this is this is brilliant. This is this is almost as good as actually me. Every time I'm stood on the platform at NAS or Boardmasters or Spit and Sawdust or anywhere, there'll there nearly always be a moment where I suddenly realise I'm having a joke with, you know, insert name of whatever the leading UK skateboarder is at the time. And I'm like, I have no right to be here at all. There is nothing about my ability that means I should be here. But for some reason, I'm on the platform having a muck about with Hinson, Thackeray, Maned, Pulley, you know, whoever it is. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah. 
that and those moments are just as amazing as fuck me i'm still talking to brian may or fuck me i'm sat here talking with tony alba yeah yeah over the general course of the time what's been your like favorite thing what makes you keep coming back to do more in the in the interest of honesty for you is that is that i crave validation that i'm i'm neurotic and i have a really massive low self-esteem so like i just want to be accepted i lost my shit the other day when companion ran a photo of me in a web article from the halloween jam as spitting sawdust like i genuinely bounced around campus i didn't even know <laughs> talk about going full circle right because i've gone and met people and i've and, and i know people and i'm out there right and i've got one trick which is a front slasher grind right which happened to be the obviously that was the photo because i'm never doing any other trick uh rob whiston took a photo of me doing it now i kind of remember the flash going off and just thinking oh that's nice he's probably checking his like focus for when he wants to take a photo of somebody actually good who can do something but oh, oh well and I, I i genuinely actually for the first time didn't think anything more of it i didn't even know rob was there shooting for companion or anything he was just there shooting photos as far as i knew and i was like sweet cool good for him um I hope he. I hope he's now got the setting set up for when the good skate, well, for when Zachary or Pulley or someone else goes through that spot. So he's got the the flash also and all that. Anyway, I think it was like about a month or so, or a couple of weeks or whatever it was later. I'm skating campus and Sid, right? Sid and Joe. Sid goes. Sid nudges me and goes, "Oh, nice photo, by the way." I'm like, "What? What? What, what are you talking about?" He's like, "You know that photo of you." I'm like, "What photo?" Like, and in my head, I'm like. I bet it's a front slash, whatever it is. But I was like, what 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 photo? He's like, You haven't seen it, have you? It's like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, oh, you better get and have a look on the old companion website. So I'm like, what? <laughs> so like, I ran out to my phone, ran back in. Like, I'm searching through Instagram, it's not on there. Go to the companion website, go to features, Halloween article, Pulley, Thackeray, like um other people, blah blah. And I'm like, that's me. And it says, Brett Dye, frontside grind. Like, I've, like, I'm like, and and like, and Sid and Joe were that, like, I proper fucking bounced around that place for like 10 minutes, just like going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Again, I have no right to be in even a web article on Companion. The fact that those people even know my name, like what are you on about? So what keeps me going back is that uh, I'm just I'm just a little boy who wants the bigger boys to like me. And then there's all the pseudo intellectual stuff, which is also true that like skateboarding is really amazing, and that skateboarding um, both uh, fuels and puts out my issues. It both amplifies and quietens down sometimes at the same time. Those issues that I've just you know, that I've just alluded to, the neurotic, like self, the low self-esteem, like contradictory, like low self-esteem and arrogance, you know, like no yeah, belief yeah. and total. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know whether it's that I love skateboarding or that just, well, what else am I going to do? I'll put 30 years into it. I'm going to stop now. I'm like, I might as well just fucking keep going. I, I, I don't know. Because it, it's kind of, it's neither of those and it's both of them. It involves self-honesty. Yep. 
I believe that it has uh, real consequences and it teaches you about consequences. It teaches you about the idea that just because you fail doesn't mean that you have to stop. You can keep going and you might make it. You may not make it. And you have to deal with you have to deal with going home, having a little cry because you didn't make it. And just as dangerously, you have to go home with, I'm the man because I did make it. Like, and both of those two things are just as dangerous and just as powerful as each other. And I believe that that we live in a society full of fake images that are giving young people, giving all people a really hard time. You know, it, there's no there's no surprise. There is a total correlation between the the massive mental health crisis that we're facing in the world and the fact that we are bombarded with fake unreal images of perfection and skateboarding doesn't allow for bullshit it you know you can you can be that kid that goes oh i can do that trick and thankfully somebody hopefully yourself sooner or later will say do it do it now then there's power in that because it can stop you being that one going yeah listen mate he's lucky i didn't go for him mm, no no because if you're you're saying that now as he's walking away like i would have done that 12 stair handrail but i don't feel like it well it's 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 right there it's not going anywhere uh you're welcome to go for it if you want make it i think it's also that there's a few things uh, there's, there's, there's all that pseudo intellectual stuff, which is both true and bullshit at the same time. You know, like we're, we're, I'm distracting myself from life because I don't like life because I don't, I don't agree with most of that mainstream shit out there. Like, and I know you've got your views, and I'm sort of somewhere. I'm open to to some of those, and as like, and it's cool. Like, like no, no hate or no judgment, but I'm not, I'm not open to like my idea of of living my life is not sitting here watching X Factor. And like being told by the news what's going on and part of that was reinforced by skateboarding you know part of it's reinforced by the idea that i i, I travel two and a half three hours in a car one weekend in 1996 in in that very same gray metro gti actually turn up to radlands or or 2011 go to the uk champs in xc and me and um jason chloe me and jason chloe and some other people and Neil, a, a videographer that also did some time in Cheltenham, are uh, in the uh, like Barger hotel room that night. And the UK champs have just been on and not a single mention of it on the UK news. And it's like, what else are they not telling us? What else do they not cover? What else does not make it to the, the news? Like, you know what I mean? What keeps me coming back is it's a fucking great distraction from life. It's a fucking great distraction from having to deal with having to make money to pay for food and shelter like the two things that should be free and that were free but we invented capitalism because we thought it'd be a great idea like just to keep us all enslaved so that we don't ever revolt against the leaders because we're all too knackered and everyone thinks they're getting smashed face on a friday through to monday morning is a great idea like fuck off i'm gonna go and hang out on the street and learn to control a piece of wood for no other reason than just actually there are times when it makes me feel good. Shrouping around spitting sawdust bowl, as much as I can have a little cry because I'm not doing it very well, <laughs> there are moments when I can like shroud around it and go, yeah, it feels good actually. I like that. I... Like just like pumping around a corner 
I like can't yeah. believe how much of a nerve you've just hit with me. Like I almost feel a bit emotional because that's very much why I love skateboarding. Is there's two things you've covered there very quickly. That one, I do skateboarding and I do what I do, which is very similar to what you do, to kind of just escape from the stuff that, we're, that as skateboarders, I think most of us we just want to get on. We just want to have a skate and we want to forget about the the realities of of, of adult life, basically. And the second point that I think you've covered that I really like, and I didn't even realise because I've just checked my phone, is that you follow my personal, and my personal account on Instagram is literally just for me and very, very close friends. Uh, and I, <laughs> over the few years, I've realised that that becomes very little the more you share your opinion. But my point I wanted to bring back into that is the fact that as I've got older, I, I have my opinion and you have your opinions. And I think that the part that I get a bit frustrated with skateboarding now from when I was like in my early 20s and maybe it's because I agreed with everyone when I was in my early 20s is the ability to just have people that like such and such party or like to go and do this or like doing that or have this opinion on that and you might not agree with it but at the end of the day we skate together we go and have a session and that's their point of view that's my point of view and we just get on with it I feel that skateboarding now slightly has lost that and I believe that's to do with it being more mainstream uh, being part of the Olympics. I think that unfortunately that's slightly got rounded off in my opinion. But it's really great to just know that, you know, someone like yourself can just look at the stuff that I post and just be like, actually, he's just a skater. So he talks shit. <laughs> we'll let him talk shit. We'll ignore that and we'll just go for a skate together. And I think that's I think that's a really big part of the thing that you've just said is one, skateboarding, forgetting about the world, complaining about it together and just getting on and just having this toy I have to be honest, sometimes, it, not not with you, but sometimes the differences are too big and sometimes that can make for a hostile environment and I, I'm not going skateboarding with those people and I don't I don't want to have it with them. But those people, those people are very, very few and far between. Uh, what I can totally relate to is the changes that are going on in skateboarding. You know, like I started in the 90s when it was the freaks and weirdos because it wasn't cool. It was not a cool thing to do at all. I was the uncool kid right until the, the Tony Hawk games came out when I was about sort of 16 and I could actually do some skateboarding and all of a sudden everybody wanted to know where I got my shit and like what it was all about and I was like fuck you where were you five years ago when you were taking a piss out of me when like football was so fucking important and like now you think I'm cool yeah and it has its pros and cons it definitely has its pros the popularity of skateboarding has its pros and cons it's diluting a load of shit but we have some good product i'm getting told by fucking skaters mums about what skateboarding is and at the same time <laughs> pros are getting paid uh, uh, yeah what are yeah. you gonna do uh, this brings like, me on this brings me on nicely to what's been like the most nagging and worst thing about the last 12 years with you trying to do skate media I'm quite lucky that the skate media stuff is kind of all right because, like, nobody cared. Like, it, only only other skateboarders cared. I think I've got... I'm going through something that's happened over the last couple of years due to some personal situations and some observations where I've been left. I think I've managed to distill it down to the fundamental question of what has happened to my beloved skateboarding? I'm toying with the idea... Of, I've got a friend of mine that's got some opinions and I'm trying to find some other people with opinions. And instead of doing interviews, doing more just like, let's just chat about skateboarding. Nothing's happened so far, so fuck it. I've got nothing to lose. It's not like I've got like a million followers that might suddenly go off me. And and part of that is is that decision to say, actually, you know, this is more adult-based now. 
Like we're going to talk about some contentious ideas. And one of those contentious ideas is what the fuck has happened to my beloved skateboarding? I don't think it's just the Olympics, but that's almost sort of like, for want of a better expression, the personification of what's happened. I, I walked into Radlands in 1996, right? Uh, fuck it. I just, again, it's, it's adult. We'd been chonging in the car on the way down. We managed to scam in because there was nobody sat on on like the desk at the front. So we're like, quick fucking bail in, right? This is me, Sid and Stevie. I end up hanging out with like Mike Santa Rosa and Willie Santos. Like, I end up hanging out with Mike Santa Rosa a lot throughout the weekend, like chat with Jason Ellis. And so we walk in there on the, on the Saturday, not one fucking adult, not, you know, even, even Chris, the, the old guy that ran Radlands, who's, he was the dad of some skateboarders. He was fucking drunk. He was having a great time. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> his, his fucking building was busy. It was amazing. The music was going off. The skateboarding was going mental. There was a one fucking normal person to be seen. All you could smell it was weed and beer, and it was fucking lawless. We went into Northampton that night. We fucking barged a hotel. Those poor fucking people that ran this hotel, it was just overran with skateboard. Like, <laughs> overran. Like, we didn't pay a fucking penny. We were sleeping in the halls. We didn't give a fuck. We went to, we went to Radlands the next day. We, we, we stopped some poor kid as he's going in. I go, show us your hand. And he's got a red stamp on it. So we go down to fucking Neto's, the supermarket. We buy a red felt tip pen. We like scribble on the back of our hand. So we nonchalantly walk in, just flash it. Like, yeah, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, wicked. Walk in. I didn't pay to get in all weekend. And it was lawless. It was fucking lawless. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful because nobody was sat looking on the phone. The timekeeper, like, you know, it didn't matter if your 30 seconds was up, but he was like, you're just about to make that trick. Keep going, land it, land it. <laughs> like, you know, like the, the, the UK chaps, like, fuck the time, land the trick, motherfucker. Like, it was amazing. And then fast forward to 2019 and 2021, because, of course, 20 was a write-off. Right, could all the riders stop now, please? There'll be 30 seconds between your run and the next person's run. You fucking what? Like, what do you mean you're stopping the runs in between? Like, again, like, Radlands, right? Right, Penny's off the course, next in. Fucking Ed Templeton, get it, get it, get it. It's like, get in, get in, get in. And, like, energy's building and building and building, and it's fucking mental, and I'm surprised it wasn't a fucking riot. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's going off. And I stood there in Greystones in 2019, and was like, 30-second break between the... The fuck is going on here? Like... Are you joking me? I tune into the live feed at fucking X feed at XC. Maybe last year, maybe 21 or 22. I can't remember. It's just like, that's everyone's parents stood around the bowl, man. Like, I'm <laughs> fucking everyone. Like, I thought it was a fucking skateboarding competition. I thought we were going, fuck you to the mainstream. The fuck has happened to my beloved skateboarding? Like, I just don't know. That's the thing. That's the, That's been the struggle. That's been the struggle. Listening to people who have been skateboarding all of two minutes trying to fucking tell me about it. Like, ah, uh, fuck off. Just fuck off. But, oh, I'm not supposed to say fuck off because because you've been doing it five minutes. You're apparently entitled to an opinion. Yeah, well, here's my opinion. 
Fuck off. <laughs> You're going to like this one because I've gone full circle. What, uh, what future plans, even though you've covered some of them, have you got for the skateboarding show? To keep conversing with my counsellor and try and get over myself for a little bit to see if I can learn a second trick and to try and bring back some, some honesty to my stuff. Like, I don't care what anyone else is doing. I can see that you've changed your 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 attack a little bit and and big up. I like that. I'm going to have to be careful because I can feel it and I can hear it in what I'm saying as well. That like when I talk about honesty, I shouldn't just be talking about negativity. You know, some of the honesty is some of the honesty is that like what's happened to my beloved skateboarding because the freedom part of it is so fucking important, man. The yes. freedom for you. To- the freedom for you to get away from your parents, the freedom for you to get away from society, the freedom for you to get away from somebody going, go now and perform, the freedom from you getting away from somebody saying, we're going to give you these free boards, but you have to go do that trick. I got one in the chamber with Dan Catchy, which I'm about to put up, and he's talking about some really interesting stuff about he was just kind of getting a bit over the idea that he had to do stuff because he had sponsors. And he wanted to get back to just going and doing skateboarding that he felt like doing. Again, a very double-edged sword. Brilliant. We've got money in the industry and pros can get paid. But we're just as equally now contributing to these fake images that are not even real. You know, no, nobody ever says, this is my video part. This seven-second clip here took me two weeks to film. Two actual weeks. Pissed off three filmers because it took me so long to do. And you'll probably never see me do that trick ever again. So the fact that you see me do it here, not really a representation of my skateboarding. It's an amazing feat. And my sponsors are really happy because hopefully they'll sell some shoes and skateboards through it. But if you see me in a demo, pretty unlikely that I'm going to do it. Yes. Because it took me two fucking weeks to do that one seven second clip. I think think the honesty part is a massive... It's so big. And the other thing is that every single podcast I've done, I'm editing. Like, I'll edit this one down as much as I can. I take out the gaps. And, but, um, <laughs> and probably a couple of the see you next Tuesdays. But, like, but, even, but even that, but like what you're saying is even that is, is slightly dishonest. Like, I, I'm not giving you the raw format. So it's like, it, it, it's a tussle that I've always had since being an, an adult is what level of honesty are we doing and what you do edit out and what you do keep in and what you show people, it's a big part of what we do. People moaning because their children are, are seeing this. Hey, you provided them with the internet and a phone, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just saying. Any life tips as a 40-year-old to a 30-year-old or a 20-year-old, the younger generation? I'm trying to find something authentic as opposed to say the fuck out of spit and sawdust on a Wednesday night. Yeah, get a normal job because none of this will pay. <laughs> like, just... Like, don't stop doing it, but just try and fit it in and around your normal job. And when you find a woman you love, make sure you fucking tell her and make sure you fucking make sure that she knows. Because I think we're both very lucky to be in that position at the moment, from what I understand. Is that right? Is that is that part of why you're out in Mexico? Yeah. A thousand percent, mate, yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm very lucky to be sat here in this, in this wonderful house. And I hope I haven't kept her awake because I know my voice is deep and it booms and it carries, but... On that note, we have been we've been chatting for an insane. You've been the longest podcast. You've you've won the championship of of longest podcast. What what, what is it they say? The empty tin can rattles the most. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Dye, 
Can I say thank you ever so much? I wasn't expecting it to be so to the bone and honest. It's been quite a... Uh, your point about the mainstream, I started skateboarding to get away from the mainstream. I think that comes a lot into you're saying about my transitions in skateboarding in 2022. I used to see skateboarding as taking me away from the shit. And now it feels like the shit is a part of skateboarding and you can't actually get away from it. You can. It's, it's, it's always going to be this weird double-edged sword. The real thing that I'm having to battle with is the hypocrisy and contradictions of skateboarding. And not even political hypocrisy, just the very nature of the true essence of skateboarding. I'm over anyone who tells me, I just do it for fun. Well, okay, here's a question for you then. Why are none of you laughing down the skate park then, motherfuckers? Why are you all so fucking deadly serious with your headphones in and not, not, not talking to each other and like, and like not fucking banging your board and not shouting shit at each other if it's fun? Doesn't look very fucking fun to me. I'm busy. I fucking leave a skate park with my throat raw because I'm like shouting at people. <laughs> I'm shouting at them to fucking land it. Like my best mate fucking landing something and I'm shouting dickhead across the park because he's so fucking good. That's what I think skateboarding should be. Like people like just shouting shit at each other when if you listen to it carefully, they actually love each other because it brings that it's raw. It is actually a raw. Skateboarding involves fear and pain and pleasure on a very raw, visceral level. But they're the filters. That's why there's 100 million kids who do it. And then into the 20s and 30s, it filters out because not everybody can deal with that or wants it or they bullshit themselves about like or i could have been a pro but i decided to get a family instead dickhead no you're a dickhead i don't want to fucking hear that like why don't you just keep skateboarding well i got a job didn't i it's really important no no it's not no job's not important no any idiot can get a fucking job just keep skateboarding like no one cares like it is a challenge it's a it's a fucking mental challenge as well as a physical challenge Brett die from the skateboarding show thank you ever so much Signing big, out. Big, big, big shout outs. Have I just beat you to it? Were you going to you know, ask? You, okay. you know the drill. You know the drill. Big shout out to yourself, Rob. Thank you. Keep it up. Thank you for reminding us that don't take it too seriously. We're just playing on a piece of wheel wheels. Shout outs to 40. Shout outs to Decimal. Shout outs to TR7. Shout outs to 5050. Churchill, Wainwright, Sam Bruce. Shout outs to uh, Order Girl Dem, Order Man Dem. Uh, everyone doing skateboarding, apart from some people, if you know they are, they can fuck off. Um, <laughs> and my man Ed, and my man Nick, and my man Lee, who are my crew that I go skateboarding with, and I love going skateboarding with. And the girl Dan, Sally. Big love. Amazing. And where can we find you on the old socials? The skateboarding show. Skateboarding show, Instagram, skateboarding show. Instagram YouTube. YouTube, TikTok. I've gone Spotify. on TikTok. What my what might you Spotify? Yeah, all the business. Yeah, perfect. Rob Aiton, thank you very much. Skate wine, love it. Wine club. Buenas noches. Thank you. Peace and love. Thanks, Brett. So there we have it. A really in-depth, uh, to the bone, honest conversation with uh, Brett Dye from the skateboarding show. I wasn't expecting it to get so emotional, honest, and to the bone. It really has taken me back there. More guests to come. If you don't already know we're on spotify we're on apple podcasts we're on amazon music i'm uploading at the moment to youtube make sure you hit the follow on whatever platform you listen to give us a review 
tune in next time for some more The Wine Club. Peace. Who are you guys working for? Who is this? It's uh, Skate Wine. Oh, beautiful. Did you say Skate Wine? Yes, yeah. yeah, sir.